Chapter 5 of Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Sheeler. Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them by Herward Carrington. Chapter 5. Orthodox theology has always taught us that, when we die, we pass into either one of two places, heaven or hell. The Catholic Church introduces a third intermediary state, purgatory, and when in this state, souls may be helped either by those who have passed over or by the prayers of the living. It will thus be seen that, in this respect at least, the Catholic Church approaches nearer than any other religion the doctrines of spiritualism. Information regarding the spirit world has come to us in various ways. Seers or clairvoyants have gone on spiritual excursions into the spiritual world and have told us, on coming back, what they have remembered of their clairvoyant visions. Moses, St. John Swedenborg, Andrew Jackson Davis, and others were seers of this type. On the other hand, we have the direct statements of spirits who have come back and related to us the precise conditions existing in the next world. From both these sources, spiritualists have succeeded in constructing a fairly complete representative picture of the next life and its various activities. I propose here to give a rapid and more or less dogmatic resume of these teachings, without fully endorsing them myself, but merely asking the reader to form his own opinion concerning them. Parent Contradictions There are various contradictory teachings regarding the future state which have been given us from time to time in the past, and it has been held by many that because of these contradictions, none of them can be trusted. Consequently, none of the descriptions can be true. Thus, spirits who return through many French mediums declare that reincarnation is a fact, while those who return through English and American mediums declare that it is not a fact etc. How are we to account for these discrepancies? As this is a stumbling block to many spiritualists, the reason for these contradictions must be given at once. The answer is, as a matter of fact, simple enough. Spirits tell us that, after death, they are by no means omniscient. On the contrary, they enter the next life as before said, carrying with them all their prejudices, beliefs, and preconceived opinions. Now, this being the case, we can see that a spirit who, when alive, believed in reincarnation, would, after death, continue to believe in it, and he would naturally gather round him or drift into the company of those who also believed in it. In returning through a medium, therefore, he would state dogmatically that reincarnation was true. 
he would merely express his own belief, which might or might not be true. On many points of this nature, we have no absolute means of arriving at the truth. Spirits tell us their convictions, their beliefs, and these are founded on observation or the wisdom of those spirits who have progressed greatly since their departure from earth. The Doctrine of Zones and Spheres Many spirits teach us that the spirit world is composed of a number of zones and spheres, one upon the other. Some have stated that there are 32 such zones, others 16, but the greater number have declared that there are but seven, beginning with the one nearest the earth, in which are earthbound spirits, and progressing gradually until they are inhabited by more and more spiritualized beings. These zones are said to exist one beyond the other, like the various layers of an onion. On the other hand, others tell us that there are no such things as zones or spheres, but that heaven or hell are merely mental states, and that the various degrees of spiritual perfection represent the different zones. They do not occupy space, that is. They exist purely in the mind of the individual. Yet, perhaps, these two may be but two aspects of a single truth. It is only natural to suppose that those of similar interests would gravitate together just as they do in this life and shun the society of others less evolved than themselves unless they chose voluntarily to help them as occasion arose. This being the case, those more advanced spiritually would congregate in certain places and those less advanced would gather together in other places so that although the zones would not exist as physical spheres shut off from each other by physical barriers as many believe yet they exist practically the barrier being a mental or spiritual one Conditions and Occupations in the Spirit World Spiritualism teaches that the next life is a busy one, that we continue our pursuits, activities, and interests, just as we do here, only under more favorable conditions. Evolution reigns supreme, just as it does in this world. This is only natural and rational, and what we should expect. It is a gradual continuation and process of advancement. The next world is said to be more or less a duplicate of this one. Those who are interested in learning may attend lectures or schools of instruction, may read, write, compose, paint, play, etc., just as they do here. The scenery is more or less similar to the scenery on this earth, although more beautiful and perfect in every respect. We are told that children never enter the lower spheres, nor are there any flowers in these spheres, 
they are found only in the higher spheres or more advanced stages. These spheres can influence one another more or less directly to a great extent, and particularly the higher spheres can exert a helpful influence on the lower ones. For this reason, progress is always possible for a spirit who desires it. He can secure assistance from those who are more advanced than he is in the spiritual world. His progress would, therefore, be rapid, and it all depends upon individual effort how rapid this will be. The sooner a spirit realizes his own possibilities and the fact that his own future happiness or unhappiness depends upon himself, the more rapidly will he advance. The Spirit Body Spirits tell us that we inhabit in the next life a body similar to the material body, but representing the glow of youth in its strength and purity. The spirit of man is ever young, and that being so, it assumes that rejuvenated outward appearance upon entering the new life. This etheric body is incapable of fatigue and is fed by the magnetic and spiritual forces which surround it in that sphere. Children entering the new life gradually grow to maturity, though more rapidly than they do on this earth, because greater advantages are offered them and progress is consequently swifter. At the age of greatest mental and spiritual maturity, they cease growing and thenceforward remain in that perfected condition. On entering the spirit world, Upon entering the next life, the human spirit is met by friends or relatives who have before passed over and who are drawn by natural magnetic attraction and sympathetic interest to those who have just entered the spirit world. When the spirit enters the next life, it undergoes, in a way, a new birth and is for some time bewildered. This is only natural after the shock and wrench of death. When we have had an accident in this life and have been knocked unconscious, the process of regaining consciousness is peculiar. When such a man opens his eyes, objects are presented to him vaguely, indistinctly. He would see men as trees walking. Sounds would be heard but faintly. There would be a vague jumble of noises, and no definite and articulate sounds would be recognized at first, until consciousness was more fully restored. Thoughts would be scattered, incoherent, and only the strongest stimuli would focus the attention on any definite object for longer than a few moments at a time. When a man dies, the departure of the soul from the body must be as great as a strain upon the surviving consciousness as any accident could be, especially in cases of sudden death, suicide, and in those cases where the patient is said to die hard. Of course, after a little time, the spirit survives the initial shock and soon becomes adjusted 
to the new environment and condition. And this fact would account for the bewilderment and confusion which many spirits seem to experience upon their entering into the next life. It is only natural and what we should expect. Sex in the spirit world. Many have asked whether the distinction of sex is maintained in the next life, whether man continues to be man and woman, woman. Here again, many different opinions have been expressed by those who have passed over, but the majority seem to contend that the distinction between male and female is fundamental, mentally and spiritually, no less than physically. And for this reason, they are destined to be more or less different for all time. This does not mean, as many think, that woman is there, as she is here, too often, in a condition of subservience or inferiority. On the other hand, she is man's equal, in many particulars, in some ways inferior to him, and in some ways superior. It is a question of differing viewpoints and constitution. Each may attain perfection and ultimate complete happiness in their own particular way, just as every individual here must obtain in his own way. As to the relations of the sexes in the next life, the teaching of the highest spirits is that there is love, harmony, sympathy, cooperation, and a mental and spiritual blending together of their natures, which corresponds to physical love on this plane. Earthbound spirits in the lowest plane are said to be unable to get away from the atmosphere and magnetic attraction of this earth, and do not care to, even if they could. They are the cause of much of the trouble which mediums experience, often causing obsession by delivering false or lying messages. There seems to be a law which permits spirits from the higher zones to descend into the lower zones, but the reverse of this does not take place. Thus, there are good or spiritual influences always playing upon the lower spheres from the higher spheres, and progress is thus rendered easy to those who care to take advantage of their opportunities. Where and how spirits live? Many of the descriptions which have been given to us indicate that spirits inhabit houses or mansions very similar to our own, and that the scenery of the spirit land is also similar to that of the earth plane, only more beautiful. Garments of variegated colors are said to be worn, as well as ornaments for those who care for them. The occupations of spirits are many and varied, Time is not spent in the spiritual spheres, as many imagine, in idleness or in religious devotions. How Spirits Talk The spirit body, in the spirit heaven, is thus as material to them as our world, only it exists on a different plane of activity and vibrates at a different rate of activity from ours. Hence, it is invisible to us 
as we are usually invisible to them. And it requires clairvoyance on the part of spirits to perceive the material world, just as it does on the part of mortals to perceive the spiritual world. Conversation between spirits is carried on by a species of thought exchange, or telepathy. Though the conversation appears perfectly natural and as though delivered by means of mouth, as it is with us, we can form some idea as to how natural this would be from our dreams when the exchange of thought is purely mental. Yet, the words spoken to each other by the dream figures seem as natural and as sonorous as our usual conversation. Insanity and Spirits There are, strictly speaking, no insane spirits. It is said, except in the Earth's spheres, and these, previous to their insanity, were degraded spiritually and morally. They frequently continue in some degree insane for a long period of time, their spiritual condition not being favorable to their restoration. And here they are often attracted to mortals with like tendencies whom they obsess and through whom they ventilate their own disordered fancies and even impel them to acts of violence. However, as much insanity is caused by disorders of the links between body and mind, and as these are all severed at the moment of death, the mind is usually normal and sound as soon as it enters the spirit world. And in any case, it recovers very rapidly upon its entrance into that realm. How Spirits Travel Spirits are said to possess the ability to move from place to place with extreme rapidity, the fact as quick as thought, as the saying is. It is as easy for one to imagine oneself in China or in England as it is to imagine oneself in Brooklyn, if one is living in New York. The one process takes no longer than the other, and as you are in the spirit world, where your thoughts and interests are, you may readily perceive that it takes you no longer to reach one place than it does another. However incredible this may seem at first sight, it is quite intelligible when we remember the rapidity with which wireless messages travel. Flying through space at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, this would carry these waves nearly seven and a half times around the world in one second. And it has been experimentally proven that these electric waves do travel at that rate. Such being the case, we can, at least, conceive that thought can travel at as quick a rate, however inconceivable it may appear to our reason. Good and Evil Spirits We have heard much of obsessing and lying spirits, of evil spirits, and those who work harm. But we must remember that there are spirits of quite another character in the heavens who are said to protect and guard us, give us wise counsel and advice, and are, in fact, veritable guardian angels. 
their duty is to impress our minds and by this means to instruct and guide us to instill good thoughts and resolves admonish us of our faults reprove us when we go astray and assist in the development of special talents they do not interfere directly in the physical world but impress our minds influencing them in this way or in that the doctrine of correspondences there is said to be a definite agreement or correspondence between the material and spiritual order of things what we perceive as a tree in this world is only the outward manifestation of the real spiritual tree lying within it and this is true of all physical manifestations and facts which we see in nature every physical body has a corresponding spiritual body behind it and this fact gives rise to the famous doctrine of correspondences elaborated by swedenborg this correspondence throws a little light on the bewildering fact that spirits often speak of spirit gold spirit marble spirit houses spirit books etc as if they were tangible realities not of course that these are sublimations of corresponding objects of earth existent throughout but different as to material yet sufficiently alike to be called by the same name in other words these spirit objects are expressed in a different vehicle of the nature which is to us externalized as gold marble etc we must endeavor to realize the reality of the spiritual world which we have been unaccustomed to think of as in any way substantial owing to the teachings of theology the difficulty of describing the spirit world it is impossible to express things psychic adequately in direct language for the simple reason that our words are images drawn from material things and their effects immaterial things and the life beyond must therefore generally be described by symbols rather than by words and these symbols whether seen in vision or representing themselves to the mind in the normal state partake less of the seer's idiosyncrasies than any direct language would do this symbolism is often carried to a high place in interpretation so much so that the original is almost lost sight of of this however we shall speak at length of the chapter devoted to symbolism there is much evidence to show that spirits can create forms and objects by the mere exercise of their volition they build up what appear to be solid objects by the use of their minds and these objects are often mistaken by the spirits for realities thus thought forms may be created by a spirit intelligence and this is a fact which many spiritualists have overlooked though it is an important one as i shall endeavor to show later darkness and light wrong and evil in some ways seem connected with darkness unhappy spirits always complain that they can find no light 
but as they progress the darkness seems to lift and light begins to dawn this does not mean that they emerge from a material darkness into a material light but go through a process of psychic evolution which would in their own minds correspond to this the quickest way for an unhappy spirit to progress towards the light is for it to help and comfort or assist another in like condition unfortunately they are very often ignorant of this but fortunately many spiritualists have done a great deal of good in the seance room etc by giving this knowledge to spirits of a low order many of the spirits who have passed over being nearer earth than heaven soon after their transition are more easily reached by the living than by other spirits so far as comfort and advice and assistance are concerned and for this reason prayers of the living are often of great help to those who have recently passed over and are extremely earthbound by reason of their mental and moral characteristics ordinary advice and assistance may also be given to these spirits at a seance visits to the spirit world the spirit world can occasionally be visited it is said by the spirit of the sleeper or the somnambulist and the deeper the sleep the more separated from the body is the spirit until in deep trance the spirit is sometimes entirely withdrawn in deep sleep also the spirit occasionally goes on clairvoyant excursions and comes back to its normal body remembering much that it has seen in the spiritual realms in the state of ecstasy these voyages are often made and the seer will retain a certain amount of consciousness of this earth and be able to dictate to those about him his impressions while visiting the spiritual world and while seeing more or less clearly what is happening there spirits are said to exercise free will and have far more liberty of choice in the next world than they do here where they are bound by habit and tradition no less than by mental and physical obstructions and difficulties the psychic gifts of spirits are far more highly developed than they were when on this earth and they are frequently capable of exercising the faculty of foreknowledge or provision as well as other supernormal powers such as telepathy clairvoyance and clairaudience infinite intelligence they are also able to perceive the general plan of nature far more thoroughly and effectively than we because they have so to speak a greater mental grasp of the universe in its entirety and many spirits who have died while disbelieving in an infinite intelligence have as time progressed shown that they have more or less changed their viewpoint and now are more definitely religious than they were before as dr crawl says i have constantly been impressed with the numerous proofs of the creative and sustaining power of deity and step by step 
I have been led to undoubtedly believe that he, though not in human form, is everywhere present, the creator, preserver, and controller of all things, literally God, in the most comprehensive sense of the term, with whom all wisdom and power and infinite love extends to all his creatures. This is the effect of these investigations upon my mind, and I am disposed to believe that similar and more extended researches by others in the future will lead all true, earnest spiritualists to the same belief, and thus modern spiritualists will be stamped with the higher polity of true religion, with a correct, though necessarily limited, conception of God's character, and of his relations to us, and of ours to him. Shall we see God? However this may be, it is claimed that spirits, for some time after transition, at least do not definitely know anything more about the nature or extent of this infinite intelligence than we do. They do not pass directly into the presence of any deity, as theology tells us. Questioned on this fact, they reply, I do not know. However, as they progress in spiritual perception and understanding, they gradually perceive that the universe, instead of being a chaos due to chance, is orderly and systematic and governed by a supreme or infinite intelligence, which is the guiding principle involved, and that it would only be logical to believe that such an intelligence necessarily existed. The spirit world, the source of energy. The spiritual world is the source of all energy. Even in this life, our energy is derived from some spiritual source. The nature of life is as yet unknown, and there is every indication that it is due to some spiritual influx acting upon and through the material world. One proof of this is that during the hours of sleep, when the body is resting and passive, the nervous or spiritual energy is revived. The body is recharged, as it were, in the same way as a storage battery might be recharged with electric energy. This process does not depend upon any material condition, for sleep can often revive us instantly as many can attest. In moments of extreme exhaustion, the head may drop to the breast for a fraction of a second, and a moment later, consciousness be regained. Yet, in that moment of time, some complete spiritual revivification has taken place. The energy of the body seems to have been recharged or replenished, and new energy infused from some spiritual source in a manner which would be quite inexplicable, were we to depend upon the ordinary teachings of science to explain such facts. The phenomena and teachings of spiritualism alike constitute a great solace and comfort to many souls in distress and sorrow. The proof that death does not end all 
and that the individual human spirit continues to exist as an entity and in precisely the same form as it is now is a great comfort to the majority of persons. In this way, the teachings of spiritualism are a solace to those who accept them. To those who not only believe, but are enabled to obtain some of the varied phenomena, this assurance and consolation is doubly true. The different kinds of spiritual gifts. There are many spiritual gifts, as St. Paul says in his message to the Corinthians. He wrote, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gift of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man severely as he will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 How anyone can disbelieve in spirit communication on the ground that it is contrary to Bible teachings after the above passage, it is hard to comprehend, since here are a large number of spirit manifestations clearly outlined and stated by the Apostle to be manifestations of the Divine Spirit. End of chapter 5, recorded by Cynthia Sheeler. Website, CynthiaSheeler.icanvoice.com.